Exodus chapter number three, if you will please, Exodus three is where we're headed. We've got the notes there online as well as in your bulletin if you want to follow along with where we're headed today in Acts chapter number three. Now, uh, we're continuing our unstoppable series. Did I say something wrong? What did I say? Exodus, please. Exodus chapter number three. It must be the Holy Spirit. We're going somewhere else. Where are we going? Nope. I am not touching Exodus three this morning. I'm so sorry. Acts chapter three. All right. There we go. Get my right vowel. All right. Acts three. All right. I'm looking to make sure I get confirmation. Everybody's looking normal now. Okay. No weird looks. Nobody's getting up and leaving. So we're in good shape. Okay. Acts 3. We're continuing our series on the unstoppable church, and uh, we're going to continue by looking at a new topic this morning. It's amazing what big things develop from everyday normal encounters. If I told you the name Bill Fernandez, most of you, maybe some of you would know, but most of us would say Bill Fernandez doesn't really connect or ring a bell. But most likely, many of us in here have been affected by Bill Fernandez. You see, one day in the early 1970s, Bill and his friend Steve were hanging out together when Bill saw another one of his friends, also named Steve, and he was across the street washing his car. And so Bill Fernandez decided that he would connect his two friends, Steve 1 and Steve 2, and introduce them to each other. Well, after that introduction and that first encounter, they really hit it off immediately. Both men were interested in technology and eventually decided that they would start a company together. That company is called Apple. This was Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, and and they met that day. That chance meeting from Bill Fernandez putting those two together has eventually changed the way we listen to music, the way we watch movies, the way that we communicate to each other, and really the way that we even use computers. You see, this chance meeting was something that had a long-lasting effect, an unstoppable opportunity. Well, when we come to Acts chapter number 3, we see as, as followers of Jesus Christ, we know that God is always in complete control. We know that he leads every event that happens in our life. And we wholeheartedly trust and believe in God's sovereignty. Now, we also understand that there are times where we make poor decisions and we do things that uh, cause God's punishment or chastisement to come on us. And sometimes we get ourselves in a little bit of trouble because of our selfishness, our pride, our arrogancy, and things that we do on our own. But because of trusting in God's sovereign plan and God's leading in our life, we begin to see daily interruptions as well as these encounters with people that are unplanned and very random. We begin to see them from God's perspective and see that they're truly not just by coincidence or random or just complete encounters that have no connection to us. We like to call those God moments. Has anybody ever experienced a God moment in your life? Many of us have. Now, a God moment happened here in Acts chapter number three with Peter and John, and it was a pretty spectacular circumstance that these guys ran into. Now, again, God designed this using two of his servants to bring an encounter that was an incredible opportunity for these men to see what God would do. Look at Acts chapter number three, verse number one. Now, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. This would have been 3 p.m. 
And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look at us, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up, he stood and he walked and he entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. This morning we look at our text and we're going to see this unstoppable opportunity. And realize that these unstoppable opportunities happen in our life all the time. If we truly believe in the sovereign act of God, that these encounters and interruptions in our life that seem to take our schedule out of whack, those are moments that we call God moments where he wants to do something incredible. So let's pray and ask God to give us wisdom as we dig in. Father, this morning... We desperately need your leading in our time together of study. I thank you for the privilege you've given me to stand before your people. I thank you for that opportunity to speak your truth. But I pray that you would give us clear thinking, removing any distractions that would take away from our time together today. As we prayed at the beginning, we certainly want to come before you with our dependency, asking you to give us your message, to work in our hearts as you see fit, May we humble ourselves in that way. May we truly have the desire to be changed and, and shaped into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. If there's anybody here today that doesn't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, may the story that we look at today be one that is transforming in their heart and mind. Draw them to yourself. Show them the love of your son, Jesus Christ. And may they personalize that today. And so we give this time to you for your honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So Peter and John take full advantage of this opportunity that falls into their lap. Now it's three o'clock in the afternoon and the Jews would have been gathering at the temple in order to give of their alms as well as to give of sacrifice and prayer. This would have been a time where hundreds were gathering at the same time. This would have been one of the two daily sacrifices that would have been offered. Now, Peter and John are not coming to give of a sacrifice, for they have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The ultimate sacrifice has already been, been paid, and that was Jesus on the cross. So Peter and John have something different in mind. They're coming to a gathering where there's going to be a lot of people, and the two of them go with the mindset that they can share the love of Jesus 
to pray with people, and to share the gospel message. How do we know that that were to be true? Because we're going to find as the text will unfold in the last part of chapter number three and going into chapter number four, that's exactly what they did. They took the opportunity that was in front of them and they maximized that God moment for the Holy Spirit to do something incredible. And so by this leading and directing, they go there and they find themselves in a, in a moment where it's an unstoppable opportunity. Now, Oswald Chambers said, God is the great engineer, creating moments of great importance and leading us to divine appointments. So the question before we dig into the text has to be, do you want to be a part of moments of great importance and divine appointments? Do you want to be a part of something like that? Well, let's look and see how that happens. In this text, we find that these unstoppable opportunities happen when people really matter to us. Now, I had to jot that little word in there, really. It could be truly, genuinely, whatever it is, that people really matter to us. And one of the trademarks of Parkway is that we are a friendly church. Our aim and desire is to go beyond the surface level of just a quick conversation to having a very genuine spirit that engages with people about their, uh, their life and their experiences and who they are, where they are, and, and, and what's going on in their life. Now, there tends to be at times some people who don't necessarily experience that level of genuine friendliness, and maybe they've been at the ministry for a little while, and they begin to become disconnected. They don't join a small group or a ministry team, and eventually they find themselves saying that really is a church of of cliques or people don't want any part of my life. But see, all of us have to be actively involved. The ones who are going to have friends must show themselves to be friendly. If we're going to have true engagement, true connections, we do our part to initiate that. It may be God who's leading us to really search our own heart to say, do people really, truly, genuinely matter to me? And so though we would say that this is a trademark of our ministry, we're not going to sit and soak on the past, though the heritage of our ministry is amazing and we love and appreciate it. But we continue to look at what is next for God's working through Parkway Baptist Church. So that's the same with Peter and John. Do you remember what they just experienced in chapter number two? Remember that? It was the day of Pentecost. 3,000, about 3,000 people trusted Jesus Christ as their personal savior. The church is exploding. It's growing. They're going, uh, in, in the passage that we studied last week, verses 41 through 47, the church is connecting, clicking, and things are going well. And now Peter and John, instead of just sitting and soaking in the past, they're going to engage in what God has for them at this moment. They're not just going to sit back and say, wow, praise the Lord, 3,000 people are saved. Let's just sit on that for a little while. That'll carry us through for the next year. No, they're going to see, what is it next, God? What do you want us to do now? Now, why did they go in pairs? It might have been that all of the disciples, the apostles, had split up two by two at this point because that's what they remember doing when Jesus was here in his earthly ministry. 
Remember when Jesus met with his disciples and he sent them two by two to go out and they would perform miracles and they would preach the gospel and they would lead people to a saving faith of Jesus Christ. When they would return back to Jesus, he would gather them and hear their stories and find about what incredible work took place. And now that Jesus has ascended, the church is taking place and things are going well, Peter and John don't just sit there and remember about the good old days. They say, let's continue to move forward with what God has for today. And so Peter and John find themselves in the temple. And as they're going, they're looking to find out what is next, what does God have for us? And that's where they engage with this beggar. Now, who is this beggar? Well, the text tells us a little bit about this individual. This was a man who was lame from his birth. And his family or maybe his friends would carry him to the Temple Mount area and they would lay him near the gate called Beautiful. And as he would lay there, he had one purpose and it was to collect alms, to take of offerings, to take of gifts that people would give to him as he would beg. This would have been a very active position for him as he's laying there on the ground begging. He would see hundreds of people coming and going in a very busy courtyard area. And he would say, alms, alms, and ask for giving and, and begging on this side. A constant movement of his eyes, his voice would echo off of the walls as Peter and John would enter into this area. Somehow, that man caught the eye of Peter and John. But notice in the text how the beggar was not necessarily engaged with them. You see, he did not see them as anybody special and treated them, Peter and John, just like everybody else, asking for some offering. Who will give of help? Who will give of aid? And so when Peter and John stopped, we would find that this moment was going to be life-changing for this lame man. In verse 3 and 4, Probably most of the people who, had, who would have given to this beggar, and by the way, there was no government assistance in this day. Anybody who was lame and handicapped and needed help, we would find all through the New Testament period that they would find themselves either at the city gate or at the temple gate where they were finding people who would have charitable moments in their heart where they would give of alms or give of these offerings. And so Peter and John did not look down on this man. They had no rift with this guy. They had no false accusations or misinterpreted conclusions. They simply saw this man as an opportunity that God had put in front of them. And so while many people may have approached this and just mindlessly gave of their gift to this beggar, Peter and John's approach is so different. That's why it's important. Because they remained sensitive to the leading of God in their heart. They were not going to just shrug this off. They were not going to hope that this moment would pass by. They came with the mindset, God, give us these moments, these interruptions, these encounters that we know are from you. And not only bring them to us, but help our minds and eyes to be open to that and then help us to be obedient in acting on it. So Peter and John... It wasn't that the bulk of the church was all so important to them. That was not their focal point at this moment. It was about the individual. They had learned from Jesus Christ himself that when that individual approaches before you, you forget about the big crowd around you and you focus on that individual. I'm thankful that God still does that in our life. He doesn't expect us to have this incredible change in just a split moment. He finds us where we are and guides us through those growth steps. 
He pushes, he prods us, he teaches, he guides us, and he, and he leads us to where we need to go next. And so God finds us where we are. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have come to a place where you are encountering friends who love you and want to know you, and they want you to know their very best friend, Jesus Christ. Because it's not about numbers. It's not about building a kingdom here on earth. It is about the advancement of the kingdom of God. It is about the power of the gospel message, which can and will change your life for all eternity. And that is a story we want to tell. That is a, that is a truth that we are fueled by. That is a, a, a real thing that gives us the energy to pursue each and every day. And so to a church family and to followers of Jesus Christ, may we never be so consumed with everything around us that we lose sight of people really mattering to us. Amen. See, intersections bring opportunities. And these intersections happen in our life daily. And so think about how many people you walk by each day at your workplace, at your school, teenagers, Maybe in your neighborhood, in your community, at your restaurants, as your grocery store. Maybe then think about some interaction and conversations that you had this past week. What did you do with that time? When you interacted, there was an intersection with somebody this week. And you looked at them as just somebody who this encounter has really disrupted your schedule. And you're kind enough that you're going to have small talk in order to move past this moment so that you can just be kind and move on to your busy life. What were the conversations you had this week that maybe went a little step further, that maybe began to break down barriers, maybe build a relationship, or maybe plant gospel seeds? What was it that you did or said this week? Because God is intentionally guiding our steps, and we need to be aware of those moments that God puts in front of us. We need to share the love of Jesus, sometimes with a smile. Sometimes it can be a kind nod of our head. Sometimes a generous wave. Maybe an open door. Maybe a quick conversation. Maybe caring eyes. Maybe something that's just going to begin to have that engagement. Here's John and Peter. And they see very clearly that people really mattered to them. And that led to something even more incredible, because in verses 5 through 8, as we read in our text, we would find that these unstoppable opportunities are going to happen when we are willing to give what we have. Look at the key verse in this. is verse 6. Peter said, silver and gold have I none. Now, that's, that's what that guy was looking for. I mean, he's there every day looking for silver and gold. He has a purpose, and he knows what he needs and what he wants. But Peter says, but such as I have, I give thee. He says, I don't have silver and gold, but I do have something that I can give to you. God will always supply what we need in order to serve others, or he won't put us in that situation. Can I say that again? God will always supply what we need to help others or he'll never put us in that situation. So who is it that you're having conversation with? Who is it that you encountered in the grocery line? Who is it that you encountered at the stressful gas pump? 
Who is it that you encounter trying to find water somewhere in this community? There's only 500 lakes in the county. Go find you some water, all right? Um, who is it that you encountered in your neighborhood? Who is it that you encountered in all of these situations? Were you willing to give what you had? And then you see that God equipped you for that moment. Now, Peter and John are not going to feel guilty because they're not giving this guy $100 worth of, an, of a gift. They're not going to feel guilty because they didn't even give him a $5 gift. But they are going to give him what they can offer. And that's why Peter and John relied on Jesus. They did not have the power to meet this man's needs apart from Christ. The man thought that he needed money, but it was a deeper issue than that. We encounter a lot of people who think their life's problems will be solved if they just had some more money. But then the ones who have more money begin to tell you that this causes even more problems for them. And so this guy thought, if I can just get some more money, my problems will be gone. But the issue was much deeper than that. And Peter and John realized that, and they were going to give them what they had. Now, we've all been in the beggar's position, broken, wanting something that we come to find out will not really fulfill us. Serving others begins when we, we see the people around us through, through the eyes of Jesus. And when we begin to see them through the eyes of Jesus, we begin to love them as Jesus loves them. And the power of the gospel message we take with us, and it really becomes the only two things that we can help them with, the love of Jesus and the gospel message. Now, you may be able to grab a $5 gift card to McDonald's, or you can even grab a, a Big Mac value meal and drop it off to them. Or maybe you can buy them a $50 gift card to Publix, or, or maybe you can go take them to the store and buy them some new garments, some new clothes. Or maybe they even need some supplies. And, and all of that, are, are, those are fine gestures of charity. Those are monetary gifts of charity, which are totally fine. Nothing wrong with doing any of those things. And usually those are done, though, with a greater goal in mind, a greater purpose. And that is you're wanting to show them how Jesus loves them and what the power of the gospel will do to transform their hearts. And so we would find here that this man is, is looking for something greater than what he really needs. He's thinking he just needs money, but he really just needed Jesus. Now, it can be quite overwhelming to see physical needs around us. It can be overwhelming to see emotional needs around us or these, these um, spiritual needs that are around us. But we must begin by praying for the Holy Spirit, not only to empower us, but to guide us to see each person one at a time. And just like Peter and John did, looking to the very heart of the matter. Let's get beyond the whole surface level, quick conversation, just so they think I'm a nice guy. Let's get deeper into what it is that God can do to use you to encourage their day. Now, sometimes this would be with an unsaved individual. This is a person who needs Jesus. But for others, it may be opportunities where God does bring other believers in our pathway, and we need to be encouragement to them. The same intersections that we face in life are not only just with unbelievers, but sometimes with fellow Christians who God has brought our way so that we can give time and attention to them. But remember, none of us are called to meet the needs of others on our own. See, we're called to share the truth 
and rely on Jesus Christ and his strength. Now, in verses 9 through 11, we'd also see here that this unstoppable opportunity happens when one opportunity leads to another opportunity. In verses 9 through 11, all the people saw him. Now, he was so drastically changed. It's incredible, this change that took place. And they saw him. He goes from, um, he goes from laying on the ground, and, and this genuine change has taken place, and people are in awe and amazement. They see it because he gets up, he walks, he leaps, he walks to the temple, he leaps in the temple, and then ultimately he is seen and heard praising God. That's a life that's changed. <laughs> a beggar sitting in the temple courtyard right inside the beautiful gate. He's every day asking for some monetary offerings so that he can pay the bills for the next day. And all he's consumed with is supplying for the immediate physical need. But what he encountered with Peter and John was an encounter with Jesus Christ. Peter didn't say, hey, I don't have silver and gold, but I'll give you what I have, and it is incredible, my power to heal you. That was not his focus. Everything was drawn to the attention of God. How else would this very new believer, the beggar man, know to praise God immediately? Hey, for some people's life, if it's changed, they get up, they're like, what? My ankles are healed, my feet, I can walk. He's leaping, he's walking, he's jumping, he's running, and he, he may have just taken off to meet his family. He could have done a number of things. But instead, because it was a genuine change in his heart, he finds himself holding on to Peter and John and praising God with him. I think that's a pretty incredible thought here. Because now what happens is the crowd responds. And the Bible says that they gather, verse number 10, they knew that this was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And then verse 11 cannot be counted out. And as the lame man which is uh, healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the Solomon's porch, greatly wondering, what has happened? What is going on? And so when God truly changes lives, people notice. Matthew chapter 7, 15 through 20 reminds us about when a, a life is changed and transformed, it's noticeable, noticeable to other people. That's why you often are saddened and hurt and wonder what's going on when somebody says their life is in Jesus Christ, but they live in every wicked, worldly, carnal way possible. And they have no part of following after Jesus. I mean, they've just taken it as some kind of fire insurance policy so they don't have to go to hell, and they pretend like that's all they need. But the Bible clearly teaches us that Jesus is to be more than just a savior rescuing you from hell and all of its torment. For Jesus becomes our Lord, our master. He becomes the one we passionately follow after. He becomes the one we mimic and copy. He's the one that we learn more about and we do our very best to shape our life to be like. That is the Jesus that we follow. That's the Jesus we worship. And so genuine lives, when they are changed, people begin to notice. And this was some dramatic change. Not only was it a, a healing, but there was a change in who he was. Now, when we read the rest of Acts chapter number three, we see how Peter 
took the opportunity to talk about Jesus. Look at this large gathering in verse 11. They have all gathered together to hear what has happened, what's going on. They're raising, hey, hey, what, how come this guy, he, I know he was born lame. I know his family. I've walked by here every day. He's begging. I've even given him some money. And now he's up, leaping, jumping, walking. What is going on? The people begin to gather at Solomon's porch, asking the questions. They're in awe. They're in amazement. And Peter says, one opportunity is leading to another opportunity. And so he begins to preach. In verses 12 through verse 26, Peter preaches this sermon, and he gives them the gospel. And in verse chapter 4, which we're going to come to next week with our message, look at what happened in verse number 4. Now, the Sanhedrin, the, the rulers are angry, and they put them in custody overnight. They don't like the very fact that Peter and John are preaching with boldness the gospel they don't like the very fact that he has said, you crucified Jesus Christ, but the good news, he's come back to life. And they don't like this. But look at what happened in verse number four. Howbeit, even though they tried to silence his message and threaten them, many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. What? One opportunity has led to another opportunity. We're going to look at the text next week in chapter 4, and we're going to leave, see how this leads to yet another opportunity. Because now they're going to continue to make an impact. They pray for boldness. And if they had never prayed for boldness and been given this boldness to continue to take it, one night in custody would have just squelched the gospel message. But these men were building one opportunity after another. And it all started because they cared for one beggar Man, isn't that amazing? See, in this passage, verse 11 leads to a sermon. Chapter 4, verse 4 leads to 5,000 men putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I would definitely say that one opportunity has led to another. And I would say that one yes to the God-given opportunity in front of you can lead to an ongoing impact. One yes can lead to further opportunities. Thursday afternoon, Natalie and I was my day off this week, and so we were doing some hurricane prep. At that point, we thought we need a bunch of water, we need a bunch of, you know, Doritos, you know, just need the essentials. And so we filled up her tank of gas, we got to Sam's Club, we walked into Sam's Club, and they had a big long line that you had to wait in to get your three, three cases of water. And so we stood there, the lady in front of me, uh, she was on her phone, she was very busy, and uh, she said, sir, do you mind just pushing my cart forward with your cart, because I need to go get something. All right, fine, yeah, yeah, I can do that, yeah. All right. So I'm trying to push it, and it starts to go off into the display case. I'm like, all right, come on. All right, so I'm grabbing my cart. Natalie's doing something else. I'm grabbing both carts. Here I go through the water line. So I'm hoping she hurries and gets back because they said three cases of water per member. She's not getting any of my cases. I can tell you that right now, all right? <laughs> Finally, she shows back up. I thought, oh, why am I in such a bad mood? She says, oh, thank you, sir. I, I just needed to do that in a hurry, you know, and she's, she's doing all her preparations. I'm like, oh, sure, no problem, no biggie. I thought, okay, I need an attitude change. So we finish, we get our cases of water, and um, Natalie and I get up to the line. Well, you know, the lines are way down all the way. So I'm getting more and more. I'm like, I thought I was going to be in a good mood. Now I'm in a bad mood, so I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this. So I get in line, and there's a guy in front of me, and I just asked him, I said, hey, um, which line is best? I mean, what's the, what's the process here? 
He's like, oh, I don't know. My wife's over there. I think this is where I'm going to stay, and this, I think this is where we're going to work. I was like, all right, sounds good. And then he turns around, and he's like, how's the things going? I'm like, oh, man. All right, well, um, it's going fine. You know, we got some gas, and we got our water. I think we're going to be okay. He's like, yeah, yeah, we did too. We got our, we got our stuff. I think we're going to be okay. He's like, you know what? Earlier, I said, people are crazy right now. I'm like, I know. People are acting crazy. Um, and he's like, uh, I was standing in line earlier, and some lady kept just pushing against my heels. And he's like, I just looked at her like, lady, come on, we're all getting to the same place at the same time. And I'm like, yeah, I know, those crazy people, yeah, I don't know. And um, he said, uh, what, do you, what do you do for a living? <laughs> I said, well, um, I'm a pastor here in South Lakeland. Here's what he said, huh, you don't strike me as a pastor kind. <laughs> I, said, I don't know if I should take that as a compliment or not. Just get out of my way. All right. So we got to talking, and I said, uh, so you got a day off? He's like, yeah, you can kind of call it that. I was like, oh, okay. And um, I said, what do you do for a living? He's like, oh, it's complicated. I was like, oh, okay. So I was like, well, I'm not going to prod. I don't want this guy to feel like I'm nosy. And uh, so we just kind of kept in line. His wife came up. I introduced Natalie to them. He introduced his wife to me. And uh, he said, well, my wife says the the self-checkout's better, so we're going to go over there. I'm like, all right, we'll have a good day. And I just thought, well, this is just a passing conversation. Well, as he walks away, he says, hey, if you really want to know who I am, go online, look up Seth Davis drumming, and uh, you'll find out who I am. I said, okay. So he walks away, and in my mind, I'm thinking, like, do I care? (laughs) Yeah, actually, I do. (laughs) And so I pull up my phone, and I look up at his website, and I'm like, yeah, that's him. Okay, okay. And he's traveled worldwide, and he's he's top 10 in, in his business. And so... We kind of dismissed it. thought, well, let's kind of get our things. I got to the office on Friday morning, and I'm doing some reading and praying. And, of course, I'm preparing for a message of unstoppable opportunities. <laughs> and God is just showing me throughout this text. And he says, um, I want you to send him an email and invite him to coffee, and let's just share the story of Jesus. And I said, well, he's, you know, he doesn't even think I'm a pastor. So, I mean, <laughs> why, why is he going to say, yeah, let's get together? And um, so I was like, all right. I prayed over it, talked to Natalie about it. And uh, so I shoot him an email. This was Friday. And, uh, of course, you know how it is when you send out an email. Um, he said he's got some issues in his home. And I just said, hey, I remember that. I prayed for that this morning. If there's any way I can be of a help to you, let me know. I'd love to have a conversation with you. And I said, hey, let me just throw out something. I, I don't even know why I'm inviting you to this, but God just really impressed upon my heart. If you'd like to get together for some coffee or lunch sometime, I'd really enjoy that. And maybe I can just share my story and you can share yours. So you know how it is when you send one of those things, you're like, you're checking your email every five minutes. And you see a new email and you're like, is that him? Oh, it's not. Okay. And uh, so finally, on Saturday afternoon, he responded And he said, hey, yeah, it was really nice having a conversation with you. And he said, yeah, let's get together sometime this week and let's have a conversation. And uh, and so I was really encouraged by that. So I don't know what's going to come about with that. But here's what I do know is that God works in incredible ways in all of our lives to put us at those intersections of encounters that really don't come at very convenient times. Um. Here's what what we have to be careful of. We're all trained to think that our lives are so busy and maxed out that we have no time to slow down and we have no time to just be still. And and I'm caught up in that just just as much as you are. 
So, you know, you got this and you got that and you got this and, you, and it just all adds up and you think, on oh, my day off, I got to do this and this. And, and all of a sudden, we excuse ourselves from God moments because my plate is so full that God doesn't expect anything from me. If I can just find myself to that pew on Sunday morning, I'll mark it off as God's approval so I can go to the busyness of my life from here. And what we begin to find is that we are going to continually pass up on unstoppable opportunities that God may be saying, if you'll just really let people matter to you, and if you'll just give what I give through you, and then if you'll let this one opportunity build to another opportunity, which builds to greater opportunities, he says, I will use you. So Peter and John, yeah, they're super saints, man. They're incredibly spiritual. We look at them as like, they're the elite. There's no way I can be like them. But the truth is, is that these are guys whose life has been transformed. This is the same Peter who denied Jesus Christ three times. This is the same John who wanted to argue with his brother about who could be in the highest position in heaven one day. So these are just normal guys like you and me. But they had a willing heart for God to shape them and use them. And when they were in the, the chaos and the busyness of the three o'clock hour, it's three o'clock. People are gathering from every direction to give of their sacrifices and to do their prayers. And in the midst of the chaos, they hear one little voice. A voice that says, would you please give me some time and attention? Would you give me a something? And then looks away. Going off to the next person, Peter says, sir, look at us. Look at me. Hey, I, I can't give you what you think you need or want, but what I have, I want to give you. And that's the power of Jesus Christ. So for all of us, are you willing to ask yourself this? How can I be, how can I make more room? for the opportunities that God wants to bring my way so that I would be willing to say yes to future opportunities. Don't be so desensitized and trained because it's your day off, Peter, <laughs> that you think that God's not going to bring some encounters your way of intersections that say, here's this opportunity. Because opportunities mean God moments. And so let's venture into that this week.